You are listening to Anamkara, a podcast about the spiritual journey and what makes us human. Anamkara is a soul friend, a person with whom you can share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and dreams with. In this podcast, I will share my journey as well as occasionally have guests from myriad different religions and walks of life. And for a time, we walk together and learn from each other's journey. So come along with us and be an Anamkara, a soul friend. I am so excited to introduce our guest tonight. Our guest is Dr. Christina Cleveland. She is a public theologian, a social psychologist, and author of the newly released book, God is a Black Woman. In this episode, Dr. Cleveland shares her journey from being a columnist for the evangelical magazine Christianity Today to working to dismantle the cultural white male God and uncover the sacred black feminine. You can find out more about Christina through her website at www.christinacleveland.com is C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N-A-C-L-E-V-E-L-A-N-D.com. And, or you can look up her work at the Center for Justice and Renewal. And without further ado, let's enjoy this interview. Thank you. Christina, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, uh, diving in, talk a little bit about your religious background growing up, because I, what I understand, it's a little different than where you're at now. Just a little. <laughs> I grew up um, kind of hybrid Black Pentecostal and white evangelical. So I grew up, I'm, I'm black myself, black American. I grew up in a black American home, spent a lot of time in black church spaces um, on the fairly conservative theological side. And so in terms of theology, somewhat similar to white evangelicalism, but obviously not white. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my background. And, and you even have written some for the evangelical magazine Christianity Today, is that correct? Yeah, I was a, I was a monthly columnist, yes, um, in 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. So, in thinking about in your new book, um, God is a Black Woman, you start by telling your story of, of setting off the alarm system after feeling compelled to touch that, the ancient image of the Black Madonna. So how did you go from writing for um, Christianity Today to proclaiming God as a black woman? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the the awakening probably started about 10 years ago when Trayvon Martin was shot and killed by George Zimmerman. I was pretty deep in the evangelical world, doing a lot of speaking and writing and um, spending time with people in justice circles who claimed to love me and claimed to be my brother or sister in Christ. <laughs> um, and then just to see the white evangelical response um, to that, that, the beginnings of the Black Lives Matter movement was certainly um, an awakening for me. And, um, and I really started to interrogate the, the white Jesus. You know, well, of course you can't see the sacredness of, of a black boy like Trayvon Martin. And you can't even imagine, you can't even theologically imagine that he could be innocent. <laughs> right. Could you imagine um, the outrage if yeah. someone had 
painted a picture of Trayvon Martin as Jesus. As Jesus, I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, the yeah. outrage people would have done, I can't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people were offended when President Obama said, he looks like he could be my son. <laughs> Even associating him with someone as powerful as President Obama, Obama right. was seen like heretical. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? The let alone actually divine, you know? And so, um, so that was a big awakening, but so much of my focus was on race at that time. Um, and so it really wasn't until 2015, 2016, when Trump started running for president oh, that I began to see um, Black people and other BIPOC folks are not the only ones who are um, unprotected in this white religious world. Women are too. Women Absolutely. are too. And so that's when I really started to like say, okay, this white male God who determines that people who approximate whiteness and maleness are more sacred than everyone else, I'm done with him. He's not done much for me at all. Right. And um, I need to start looking for other images. And so I turned towards the Black Madonna and um, fell in love right away and then ended up going on a pilgrimage to France to visit a bunch of in-person, you know, Black Madonna statues. And so I found myself, um, you know, wanting to touch them, just being I, in, I, yeah. yeah, you know, um, having grown up with so many images of white male God, I just wanted to have as much contact as possible with images of a sacred black female God. You know, it's interesting. You see images of relics and different things like that throughout churches and you can get closer and sometimes even kiss them. But this one you couldn't. No, no. So, yeah, I mean, many of the Black Madonnas have been stolen um, mm -hmm. and, and they're quite valuable. They're um, in this one. Um, she's from the fifth century. So, I mean, 1700 years old, really powerful. So, yeah, I mean, in a lot of these, um, you know, towns are small, thousand people, 5000 people. And so, okay. you know. <laughs> They just not have like a metro system. metropolises or whatever. Okay. Right. It's not like a major cathedral where there are security guards and even clergy. I mean, I don't think there are even any clergy in many of these churches because people don't attend the churches. Right. So, <laughs> wow. so you I'm, more often than not, I'd walk into one of these churches and be be the only person there. Um, and so, yeah, that's why there a lot of them have security systems, and this one did. Um, not all of them do, but this one did. And sometimes the security systems, um, they're bluffing. I know that because yep. I've crossed the threshold and not, <laughs> nothing's happened. And then I look up and notice that the, 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 there's there's a video camera, but it's unplugged <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> You're like, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but in this case, they were not bluffing and I set off some pretty serious alarms. And yeah, there was like a, a woman hunt for me for a while. <laughs> and, and you kind of answered this, but I was curious for you, did you first, in this journey of moving kind of out of that evangelical realm, did you come to know God as woman first or God as black first? God as black first. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's just so much. Well, for a couple reasons. One, um, as a black woman in so many white Christian spaces, I had to either choose which, like I had to split myself and decide, am I gonna show up as black or am I gonna show up as a woman? Because so many of the sort of Christian feminist, Jesus feminist spaces um, are anti-Black, you know, and they're mostly white feminist spaces. And then a lot of the multiracial church spaces um, were pretty patriarchal. And like I'd be on these big stages and be the only female speaker. And so I would kind of just check my my uterus at the door, you know, <laughs> exactly. Come Leave in it and up. speak. 
Um, and so I, you know, I, I had to choose early on. And I think because of the earlier awakening around Black Lives, Black Lives Matter, I just was like, okay, I'm gonna do the black thing. I'm gonna do the multiracial church thing. I'm gonna do the justice, the, the racial justice thing. Um, and so, and then also, you know, there's quite a literature. I mean, there's, there's a lineage, there's James, Con I mean, there's so much black liberation theology. And so um, envisioning a black Christ, a suffering Christ, God of the oppressed, um, the cross, you know, you know, the cross and the lynching tree, like those, those were all pieces of, of theology that shaped me. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I'm curious, um, did you, you know, you talked about that kind of that spark of, with Trayvon, did it cause with feelings of like turmoil, betrayal, Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm just trying yeah, to Yeah, I mean, that whole, I mean, I'd say there was like seven years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of people don't ever go on a deconstruction journey, you know, because right. it's really painful. There's a reason why people don't escape plantation. Oh, yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard. And you're lonely and you're confused and you don't have any cognitive or theological or spiritual tools to deal with that um uncertainty you know like that's actually we're starved of those tools intentional intentionally <laughs> and right. so just moving into a desert space and not knowing you know who are my friends what are the spiritual spaces that can protect me and love me what do i believe mm -hmm. um back then i had questions like will i go to heaven Absolutely, <laughs> you know yeah. like you know just so many questions and um it, and then also the betrayal absolutely especially because i'm such a um the even I, I don't know how much you know people are familiar with the evangelical world, but it's it's um it's like a total institution. Like your um, your friendships, your entire community, your spirituality, um, all any, like any sort of volunteer work or community work you do is wrapped up in that. For me, it was my vocation because I was teaching at evangelical colleges and speaking in evangelical conferences. My bank account was tied to it, you know. So it's like it's literally a plantation. And it's exactly. like, I'm either, I have to get up and fully leave and leave behind relationships, certainty, paychecks. Insurance. Insurance, yeah. salvation, assurance yeah. of salvation. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. um, and then of course, there, I mean, I remember leaving one church and in, in the book, I named this church and I call it the Little Plantation on the Prairie Church because it was in Ooh, Minnesota. Yeah. And it was a multi-ethnic church, a vineyard church that I had been very involved in for like four years. And when I decided to leave that church, I cried for like probably three or four days straight. It was more painful than any breakup I've ever gone through. Mm -hmm. the, the heart, the heartbreak of, of finally realizing these people do not have the theological imagination to love me. They're, they're theologically incapable of loving me. No matter what they say, they do not have the theology to do it. Yeah. And, um, and I've given my whole life to these people. In it's a true gaslighting, isn't it? Because they'll say, I love you. Mm -hmm. but it comes down to, I know what love feels like, and that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. And also they'll say, for God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. And I was taught to trust scripture. Right. And so it was really powerful when I started to trust my body over scripture. Wow. Realize, okay, you're saying this God loves me, but I don't feel this God's love, and I'm going to trust that. The, the closest thing I have to imagine it, um, I came from evangelical uh, background and was kicked out for being gay, came out on the mission field and was kicked out and that feeling of, all right, this white, white God, he is like a plantation master and 
you're not welcome anymore because you didn't fall within the lines and the confines. And so it's like, wow, that, and then all of a sudden you, you have to question everything. If this is wrong, mm-hmm. and am I going to hell? Am I, yeah, and feeling betrayed and feeling lost. And, mm. and I felt a lot of shame too. Yeah. As I awakened, I felt a lot of shame because I was like, why did I let these people own me? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I use my voice? Why was I so di- disconnected from my inner spiritual authority? You know, it, which is, I think, so classic white patriarchy, like blame the victim. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> right? exactly. It's like, you know, now I think about it and I'm like, I was born in a cage. Why would I shame myself for needing to escape the cage? Right. Um, but of course that, and of course, and of course you're getting some of that gaslighting from people and they're telling you, you know, you're making a mistake or, yeah. yeah. Are you sure so. you're really saved? You know, I just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll pray for you. No, I'll pray for you as a copy oh. that pejorative, I'm praying for you. <laughs> oh, that just still pisses me off to this day. Not even gonna lie. <laughs> uh, so with right. that question- I don't want your prayers. No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I remember telling someone, don't bother. Don't bother, <laughs> I, got, I got my own hotline, thanks. Yeah. Uh, do you consider yourself still a Christian? Yeah, no, I mean, no, no, I don't. Um, on, on, you know, on socials and stuff, I have this sort of pithy, witchy with Christian roots, you know? Um, but that actually is fairly accurate in the sense that, um, you know, I'm a social psychologist. I know that even if I wanted to completely extricate myself from Christianity, that's not possible. Like I'm formed by it. You know, there's a reason why I right. drawn to the Black Madonna over say Kali of Hinduism. Right, <laughs> right. Also the Black Madonna, right? And so, um, and and I and I think that's that's okay. You know, um, but I don't think I would even want to necessarily fully extricate myself because the further away I get from the toxicity, the more I return to the beauty of it. Yes. That said, there's nothing about my life that the average or um, traditional Christian would affirm as this makes sense in my Christian world and what right. she's doing is not witchy and scary and damned. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So, but um, I've been kicked out of those spaces, you know, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you though. There's, there's yeah. something about, there's some good I can see. Once you kind of break away in from the programming, from all that stuff. Um, and so with that, do you have any spiritual practices that harken back that would correlate, say to your, your you know, form of Christianity? Do you still pray? Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I do a lot less petitionary prayer than I did growing up. Um, but I, I certainly, I certainly do contemplative practices with as as a theist right so i'm not like i might be in a buddhist space doing meditation but i believe in a god actually i probably am more of a theist than i ever was right right <laughs> you know what i mean um so so i would say that for sure and then you know my pentecostal background too i mean i, I don't think i could have even gone on my black madonna pilgrimage without it because i grew i was raised in a space where there's this expectation that the holy spirit is active and moving and will show up and like do things like not not just like they did th- like the holy spirit did things back in the bible but like you can pray for healing or you can mm-hmm. pray for a miracle or you can ask god to speak right. and there's an expectation right. that that will happen and so you know i would show up at these um black madonnas and i'd be like all right let's do this like what what do you have for me with this you know and it's funny because i was on a witch podcast a few weeks ago and they were like oh so you were manifesting i'm like yeah i guess that's what you call it but like 
in the Pentecostal world, it's just like- You might have a word of knowledge. Have, you might exactly, have prophecy, right? visions. Exactly. <laughs> totally, I'm having visions, you know? And, and so I think that part of my life is still really alive. I think it looks different and it, mm -hmm. you know, some of the language is different, but a seed was planted in like little Christina that you can talk to God and God will talk to you. And it could be through trees. It could be through a conversation with a person, um, but that expectation is pretty great. Um, and then I think, um, you know, tithing is still really important to me. That also looks different. I tithe to black trans women. <laughs> I love it. But, I love but it. you know, the idea of like, hey, a big chunk of my money sacrificially is gonna go. Um, and this is my offering, you know, this is my offering to the world and to God. I mean, I'd say God, cause I think God is a black trans woman. And I'm like, hey, like whatever I can do to participate in the honoring of black trans women. So, but that's something that's very, that's very serious and spiritual for me. And so I would say that that would be something that I got from Christianity too. Yeah. Right, right. Wow, that's powerful. I love it, I love it. Um, so in your book, you talk about the white male God. Who is he? Uh, and he's always word. a he, isn't he? He's always <laughs> a he. He's always a he, but he shows he's a shapeshifter. <laughs> and he shows up in white women. Mm -hmm. And he shows oh, up yeah. in black men. And he even has showed up in me. And there's one point in the book where I call myself white male God in blackface. Because Ooh. white male God is a he. And also it's a belief system. And it's a way of being in the world. And it's um it's it's any any type of behavior that approximates and supports the white patriarchal system mm -hmm. and so it's really it's about um seeing whiteness and maleness and the ways of whiteness and toxic masculinity as more sacred more legitimate um, more powerful more important um than everyone else and so I, I share an example in the book where i was taught in my white male god world that spiritual that, that spiritual leadership means top-down authority and that you know if i'm in charge of somebody if i if i'm a leader in their life i need to whip themselves whip them into shape put them at war with their bodies and their desires because that's what i need to do for myself in order to prevent this white male god from kicking me out right. or making a spectacle of me. Um, and so I, you know, I, I remember when I was in college and I was literally just modeling leadership that had been done, you know, modeling leadership that I had been modeled for me. Um, a bunch of the Christians in our fellowship, I called them all to my dorm late at night. I don't know why these people came, honestly. Now in retrospect, I'm like, you got an email from me at two in the morning and you came like either I was super scary or they were buying into the same model, you know, right, right. like nowadays I'd be like, uh, it would, it would be like a phone call, right? I'd be like, ignore, <laughs> yeah, you know, or that person's already been blocked. That person right, right. would have done that for yeah, me. Exactly. Exactly. But they came and I was just like, you guys are drinking, you know, all the frat boys, I was like, you guys are drinking too much. You know, y'all, you over here dating the wrong people. Nobody asked me. Zero people asked me for <laughs> no, Nobody said, you're my priest. Like, please help me. You know what I mean? Like, right. but that was just because I was so afraid that we were all going to be damned. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of God and I was afraid for my friends because they were doing things and I thought God would punish them too, you know? 
And so that's how white male God works. Like he infuses all of us. And, um, and once we try to break free, there's, it's, um, it's a, it's a tangled mess. You know, it's not, it's not as easy as just being like, I reject you. <laughs> right. I, I wish sometimes it was that easy, but it, you know, I was like 10 years probably till I felt mostly free mm -hmm. 10 years. And then still I catch every now and again, I'm like, could you just not? <laughs> oh, it comes up all the time. I mean, even in this book launch, like divesting myself from white patriarchal notions of success. You know, how many, how many books do I need to sell? What platforms do I need to be on? It's all these like completely external forms of impact that don't at all measure spiritual impact. <laughs> right. Wow. And it's a constant battle of just, hey, I'm gonna choose to opt out of that line of thinking. Yeah. Even though everybody, publishing company, agent, you know, everybody else is saying, pay attention to this line of thinking. <laughs> I notice um, you don't necessarily use the word goddess, uh, but you use instead like black woman god or sacred feminine, divine feminine. Wow, Are there yeah. reasons for that distinguishing? Because I wrestle with that myself, so I'm curious. Totally. Yeah, I mean, one of it's just practical. I actually am part of a spiritual community where people almost exclusively use the term goddess. And so when I told them a couple of years ago when I was first writing the book, I'm a goddess black woman. They're like, you mean goddess is a black woman? I said, no, goddess is a black woman. They're like, you mean goddess is a black woman? I'm like, no, because the only people who would read a book called Goddess is a Black Woman are the people who are already in this room of exactly. this tiny little spiritual community. Exactly. So part of it is just this practical of like um, turning people's heads. Like just this idea that like, oh my gosh, that's kind of a shocking statement. You know, that's part of it. But also I was really intentional about um, describing the Black female God in a way that didn't engender mammy stereotypes or kind of create this like magical black woman that then people could just latch onto. Um, and so I wanted to steer clear of like terms like goddess um, be, in order to invite people into what I use, I ended up using the term sacred black feminine where sacred is the first thing to just really invite people into an, an honoring posture because you know with like movies like the shack and stuff like that people are somewhat familiar with the concept of a black female god but it's a very mammy version of her that's like very comforting, about that that's very interesting comforting and safe and mm -hmm. literally like um in the kitchen cooking and like you know um and so yeah about, just, um you know i'm sure you um, Secret Life of Bees. Yeah, same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. And now that you say that, I'm like, oh, that was inspiring. But yeah. wow, you, you lost a lot of the ferocity a little yes. bit. Yeah, um, and it's like, you know, had some of that. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I think I think um, the American spiritual imagination is afraid of black female strength. <laughs> huh? Real, you know. And yeah, so, absolutely. you know. And, there, and because of the mammy stereotype that is one of the oldest that we have of black women, it's not hard to imagine a warm and loving and you know protective black female God. Um, but that usually serves the interests of the people who are already com comfortable. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and not the black trans women, <laughs> which is what I I think she's really about, you know? Right, you know, the, I think, 
you picture them reading you mm -hmm. and, and exactly you a new right? one when you need it and mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah i mean sometimes people ask you know what's your spiritual um you know like you know what what, what what's what's your spiritual compass now or like what is your moral you know if right. you if it's not the bible if it's not these other things and i'm like honestly I'm not trying to get snatched by a black trans woman. Like that's lit, like, you know what I mean? Like stay yeah. in my lane and do what's right. And like honor the people who need to be honored and not like, mm. you're right. There's a loving, um, there's a loving insistence that we all do better. <laughs> you know, and, and thinking about that. So, you know, as a gay cisgender, cisgendered white man, I realize in some ways I get the benefits at times of white privilege, male privilege, but then also being gay, I'm also in some ways outside the, the gate. Does black woman God have any message for, for those of us? Yeah, and I mean, in, in my own way, I can relate because I'm cis too. And I'm so, um, my resume looks like that of a white man <laughs> and I'm upwardly mobile and I'm Ivy League educated and all these things, you know? And so it's like, we're all, we're, we're all living these intersectional lives um, where we have more or less privilege. I mean, there are very few people who are absolutely at the top. Right. Um, and so I think the, uh, the sacred black feminine has been inviting me into a divesting myself from anything that I can do to get to get closer to the top because I've done that before you know like let me play the game let me say the things let me not like say a little bit of justicey things but nothing to really make them upset <laughs> um so that's one thing that I feel like she's been inviting me into and then the second thing is um, she's been inviting me into, the, and then what are you doing for the people that I actually most, I'm most proximate to, like black trans women, you know, what, what is your actual, you know, I think to, to say that God is a black woman with anti-racist integrity means to have a life that lives in accordance to the principles that of uplifting the very people that she identifies with. Yeah. 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 And recognizing that I'm not always that person. Right. You so know, it's, it's something to, to aspire mm -hmm. to and seek, seek to slowly embody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And recognizing she's not just here for me. Right. She's more expansive than that. And, and I think that's a big contrast from, I'm going to say white daddy God in that sense yeah. that uh, <laughs> it's all about him and then in that way it becomes all about us too individuals totally. rather than community totally yeah and in his club's an exclusive club mm -hmm. you know and hers is more like everyone's welcome just know i'm unapologetically black and unapologetically for black women particularly the most marginalized of black women so if you can get into formation around that <laughs> you're welcome right yeah. right i love that there is a pathway for everyone to be welcome One of the things you talk about is spiritual imagination. I heard you mention it earlier. What is that? How does it work? I don't know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can say that um, seeing images of a black female God really stimulated my spiritual imagination and helped me to see that every aspect of who I am is sacred too. 
And then that spread to help me see that every aspect of everything is sacred too. Um, and I, I, can't, I wish I could say this is how it worked, but um, I began to ask questions beyond what I had been taught to ask. And I began to ask questions beyond what I was equipped to ask. And I think that spiritual imagination is behind that. That's powerful. Beyond even sometimes what we're equipped and yet sometimes that's where it starts. That's that first step of faith, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, asking the question and being like, I literally don't know the answer and I don't even know how to get to the answer. And I'm not certain that I will get to an answer, but I'm being wooed by love and I can feel it. And I'm gonna follow that. Yeah. Oh, Christina, one last question for you. Uh, what advice would you give to those who are trying to break away from the white male God and that twisted message and that, that voice in the head? and to hear the, the voice of black woman God. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things I that were really helpful for me. One was reading lots of spirituality and theology um, from people who have a different view of God. And for me, it started kind of a, a bit more orthodox, you know, like reading uh, black liberation theology or, re you know, I remember there was a, like a couple years there in, in the 2010s where every single night before I went to bed, I read Palestinian liberation theology. Um, and just getting this, these, I mean, I was reading a lot of Mujerista theology too. And so, you know, just getting, getting connected to different ways of viewing God and viewing the spiritual life. Um, and then also connecting with the body. Because I think, um, at least for me, White male God taught me to hate my body and distrust my body and not see it as a primary source of spiritual knowledge. And so through meditation, through mindfulness, through trauma therapy and all the things, I got more connected to my body and I was able to walk into spaces and be like, you know, I don't feel safe here. And that was like a realization I wouldn't have even had two years prior to that. I would have just powered through, you know, or I don't want to be here, or I don't like these people, or I don't feel safe around these people, <laughs> right, right. you know, and to really just start to hear that um, and honor and then trust myself, you know, but that's like, that takes a lot of time in on the mat and in the therapy office and out walking, you know, I did yoga for trauma and like, you know, just I did so many modalities and you know, they're, they're out there. That's what's nice about the world Amazing. right now. Yes, yes. If you wanna do that stuff, you can do it for free. It's gonna cost you time. That's what it's gonna cost you, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful journey. And you know, I would say try to find folks to go along with you, but more often than not, the people who are asking these questions, they're the first in their communities. Right, right. They don't know anyone else who's left that, that they look up to. Yeah. yeah. Christina, thank you so much. If someone wanted to find you, your you have a web page or you, yeah, it's just ChristinaCleveland.com. And I have like a bi-weekly newsletter that's free that people can sign up for along the same themes of the book. I'm on all the socials. Um, yeah, I'm around so wow. pretty well, easy we to look find. Forward to see what what's to come too, because I know I I'm, I'm still reading your book and I'm just 
captivated. I don't know, it's your writing style, all of it. And sometimes I feel like you talk about, you know, the Black Mother God says it like it is. Sometimes I feel like it's uh, like a two by four in my head. You better wake up for it. <laughs> um, and then you're like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it's good stuff. And so I hope there'll be more to come. Yes, I hope so too. It's nice to connect with you and your community. Well, thank you so much. And please have a good rest of the evening. Thank you. And weekend and enjoy your snow. Thank you. Enjoy your sun. I'm glad that you get it. <laughs> awesome. You. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you want to continue listening, please consider joining our Patreon or visiting us on Facebook. Until next time, this is PAX. Thank you.